After months of reviewing thousands of documents and conducting hundreds of interviews behind closed doors, the House January 6th committee hearings are underway. Tune in to C-SPAN as committee members question key witnesses about what transpired and why during the assault on the U.S. Capitol. Get the hearing schedule on our website at cspan.org and watch our coverage on the free C-SPAN Now app. Or listen on your smart speaker by saying play C-SPAN radio. C-SPAN, your unfiltered view of government. Hello, and welcome to Rhyme Entertainment Showcase with your hosts, Rita and Mel. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rhyme Entertainment Showcase. Today, our guest is James Passy, who's a singer-songwriter and musician, Welcome to the show, Hello, James. James. Hello, hiya. Nice to be here. Thanks. So tell us about your journey. Where did the love of music start? And when did you know that you wanted a career in music? I don't know. So, uh, that's our question. I, I suppose just um, from a very early age, music kind of just had a very profound effect on me. Uh, when I was a kid, um, just listening to you know, music on the radio. Um, and I think I'd never really played music. I wasn't, I kind of failed at playing recorder at school <laughs> and uh, I could never read music. So I was kind of thrown out of school orchestra and stuff. Cause, but I kind of, um, and it was more into sport, you know, as a kid. Um, mad about football and tennis and all, you know, cricket and all that. I was good at sport, but I was never the musical one. And my family, my brother was a was a violinist, and he was kind of always considered the musical one. You know, yeah. parents like yeah. to label kids and whatever. And I was probably the sporty one. Um, but then I don't know, around sort of fourteen, maybe fourteen, fifteen. I just uh, I think I saw a mate of mine play. We went into just sort of you know hanging around the sort of uh, local shopping, you know, centre, mall, or what you call it, when we were kids. And he, we went into a music shop and he could play a bit of guitar. Yeah. And I was like, oh, bloody hell, that's amazing. You know, I really, <laughs> and um, I just kind of, kind of, yeah, I think, I think he's probably the guy that kind of first, but I was all, and I got into very much, very early on, I got into very much into all the acoustic singer-songwriters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Paul Simon, Brilliant, yeah. Um, James Taylor, um, all that really old school, 70s sort of, I, was just, I just got very struck very early on by the, the idea of playing a guitar yeah. and, and writing songs with a guitar, that kind of just simple, very simple thing, you know, that what an amazing thing to be able to do. It really yeah. struck me and, and I just yeah. think I got, I got hooked very young and into, that concept of yeah having a guitar and being able to write songs like you know the boxer or whatever you know putting the Simon Garfunkel type stuff or yeah, yeah. James Tate that's so that's probably where so I was probably about fourteen or fifteen and then um, I just started writing songs quite early on I think pretty crap most you know obviously you kind of start because songwriting is just a, it's a craft like anything else yeah 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 but I've probably had a good ear for melody I think I've always been struck very affected by melody so mm-hmm. that's what I'm obsessed with and kind of very focused on is yeah melody um, um, and that's why I always strive to write songs with with as strong as melody as I can I mean I think some you know, I don't, I think I'm okay but there are p- 
people like Paul Simon and, you know, I don't know, the greats. They just have yeah. this incredible ear uh, connection to melody, which mm -hmm. most people and the kind of, for me, most of the songwriters and stuff, you know, just doesn't have that same level of connection to melody. Yeah. yeah. So um, and that's kind of and that's kind of why partly I do it because I kind of I I'm so um, kind of um, I get so pissed off with what I hear on the radio that it's so crap so much of it to my ear that I kind of that's kind of why I probably carried on doing it um, into the age that I am now because obviously I'm not in my twenties anymore. Um, so uh, I like to be not. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's kind of always that kind of obsession that so much of what I heard was kind of a bit crap, oh, but obviously some great stuff too. You know, like the not I was really, you know, the not I'm a '90s kid really. So yeah, yeah. all the Britpop stuff, you know, Oasis, Blur, The Verve, The Lars. You know, The Lars. Mm -hmm. I love The Lars. That yeah. there she goes. That was always a song I've always loved, and that yeah. just that's just got an incredible melody to me. Yeah. Very simple, but. So that's the kind of stuff that I've always strove to mm -hmm. kind of write. And um, right. and I kind of left school, you know, kind of not, you know, I was expelled from school, funny enough, um, when I was uh, sort of seventh doing my A-levels. Um, but I was always, once I've got that music bug, I'd always kind of, you know, it's in you and, and the writing. And I, I didn't go straight into a battle. I've always come to things quite late because I didn't, mm -hmm. a lot of friends I know, they were in bands at sort of 17, 18, 19, but I, um, when I left school, I kind of went traveling. I ended up in Spain and lived out in Spain for a couple of years, oh. um, sort of working the, on the coast, sort of cleaning boats and stuff. And, okay. Um, did two, so, and then I did, a, I did a year teaching English. Brilliant, yeah. Um, but then I came back to the UK when I was about you know, 20, 21, I think, and, um, and, and just, got a mate of mine when I came back, got this band together and he knew I was a good guitarist and like, um, and songwriter and he asked me to join and that was kind of it. Like once yeah. I joined and I got involved and I kind of, kind of took it over, I guess, because I was always the sort of more creative force in it and I was good at kind of organizing stuff around, you know, getting gigs and talking to promoters. And, right. And so, we did this band for about four or five years and you know we did very well we based in Maidstone down in Kent yeah yeah and you know we got a big following and we were probably like the biggest band in, the, in Maidstone you know for those few years and we were supporting ended up supporting Cooler Shaker you know four or five times once in Maidstone they came down to support us and we would support them in London and Camden okay. you know what the venues like? the, the Monarch and um you know, um, the Dublin Castle was another big venue then. Oh, amazing. They were the best band. I, we, we did that circuit for about four years, I think, four or five. And they were the, by far the best band we ever played with. Yeah, they were amazing. Yeah. And they gave us a lot of inspiration because they were just so good. Yeah. Kind of inspired us to be better. And, um, do, you, do you think that that was like the most iconic moment or was there any other points that you felt like ah oh, okay yeah we're, we're making it we're getting there well, no that that was definitely well they when we first saw they we, we supported them we we, just, we were doing this gig at the monarch which i loved they were great times because it was very raw and it was sort of kind of you know all spitting sawdust and it was kind of all that and it was kind of you know beer you know beer with you know soap floors and all that sort of but i loved that but it was a really cool vibe but 
and it was a lot, a lot of indie live band stuff around yeah. them, as you probably know. Um, and we were just doing this gig, and on walks this band, you know, they were called the K's actually when they, they were they were called the K's to begin with, and they just blew us away. I mean, I, I hated to admit it because obviously there's a lot of jealousy fans, but you know, but they. I, mean, I don't think that. Well, saying this is, I don't think their songs were better than ours. In fact, they don't think they were as good as some of them. And but they were just incredible music. You know, just this live vibe. They had yeah. the Hammond organ guy, and they just looked great, and they just sounded great. And um, so that was, and that was definitely a moment. And then, and I remember thinking, well, if this lot don't get signed, because they were unsigned at that at that time, yeah. then I thought, you know what's you know what kind of what hope is there for us sort of thing you know yeah. and then literally within about I think it was over the next eight or nine months they did they got signed and and we their manager liked our stuff and we supported them a couple more times in London they came down to Maidstone and and then we supported them the night they were signed to whoever I think it was it I can't remember if it was EMI or uh, Warners I think it not Warners mm-hmm. we supported them the night they were showcased to the industry okay. so that was a big moment one of those moments you're talking about and yeah. and literally another we then signed to Metropolis who were the V Festival founders yeah yeah and um we had a lot of label interest ourselves we did the Water Rats a couple of times which was one of the best venues to play yeah. as an unsigned band and um we had about six, seven labels call me back. We all lived in the house together as a band. Mm. Made those bunk old bungalow. It was you know, <laughs> a pit, but it was great. And um, that was another moment, you know, where I literally sitting on my windowsill having a fag out the window and six or seven record labels called me at home. Wow. Big one, you know, quite big labels as well. So that felt like one of the, you know, absolutely. Definitely. But that's kind of the, one of the brutal realities of the music, you know, even though we had all that. And, and we ended up signed to Metropolis, who were the V Festival founders. We still didn't actually make it, you know, mm. kind of things just didn't work out. A few things kind of, you know, got in the way. And But um, yeah, so yeah, you know, that's kind of, but another little was th- with them, we supported Catatonia, Keris yeah, Matthews. Yeah. That was at the Monarch as well. And, like uh, Jarvis Cocker was in the audience and Pulp and that was a, definitely one of those that was probably the biggest moment of I thought hello you know yeah, yeah. we're on we're here sort of thing so that was a cool moment yeah. definitely yeah. well so you took a break from the industry for a while yeah and then you came back I mean when you came back how different was it in terms of the whole industry well, very. I mean, that's just, yeah, so that to explain that, I mean, because that was the band, we got, you know, to that point and we thought mm. everything was going to happen and then it yeah. didn't. That was kind of devastating to us. So I, I, I kind of saw, you know, look, and you're, you're basically, you're, you know, you're what, you know, in your, you know, 20, late 20s or whatever. And, and that, I don't know, I kind of felt old then, you know, because I was skin and never, I didn't have a career or, and that happens to a lot of musicians, you know, mm-hmm. bands. They put this time into, and then they end up, you know, I know so many people that, kind of, you know, that, and I could see going forward older guys who'd been in bands, mm, you know, yeah. down the pub, you know, yeah, I was in a band, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Back and we supported, you know, some band you never heard of, <laughs> like, you know, from Goat's Head Soup or something. Yeah, we were, you know, supported them and 
Brighton in 72 or something like and you were like oh god and I just didn't want to end up I didn't I had that I don't want to be one of those yeah. guys so um I kind of realized I've got to get you know I had to earn some money so I kind of got left the industry but I was gutted I was devastated you know it was, it was like you know being in a bad divorce or something you know yeah and um and I did quite well I had to go I didn't completely I worked at Harrods for a few years which was great for a year and then it got terrible you know because you weren't you know I was on like 15 grand a year yeah, you know, yeah. no money you were no money so it's kind of it was great for a year good fun but but after a while I kind of you felt oh my god you know I'm just never gonna be get anywhere you know it was, mm. you know um and luckily I got myself into IT recruitment funny enough which was totally you know not my, you know I know nothing about IT still don't you know, <laughs> couldn't be a less knowledgeable person about it but I was good at kind of with people and with a bit of a gob on me probably I talk yeah. a lot you probably know <laughs> um so uh anyway I did well at that and for a few and I really enjoyed it for a few years it was good crap and I had good money and that's kind of enabled me to do this now yeah because yeah. I was living in London and I you know managed to buy a place which I would never have done with music so you know it just couldn't have happened so yeah and um, with Kind of, I sold my place and moved out to somewhere in the country and just started writing again, but like about three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, and it is completely different now. Going back to what, so before in the nineties and pre two thousands, there were hundreds of indie labels, you know, and A and R guys, you know, and, and you knew if you played in these venues in London for us, it was more Camden, the Monarch, the Dublin Castle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Falcon, all in Camden, and you had the Water Rats. Mm. Those, but those, but you, you just never knew who could be there watching, you know, because yeah. they, and that, and that was exciting because you kind of, you always had this dream that you were going to be spotted, and and that happened to us. We did the Water Rats, and we had a packed audience because we we had quite a big following, so we took a coach load up from Maidstone, yeah. one or two coach loads it was, to, and we filled this venue. Mm-hmm. and literally yeah the next day we had like these record labels you know so that and that was the dream and that was really you know it was a kind of mm-hmm. romance to it a really big now it just doesn't exist there are no labels mm-hmm. yeah. there are no indie labels you know they're, they've all gone you know it's all sort of majors and there's even less the majors brought up the other big majors you know like universal own you know everybody pretty much you know yeah which is really to my mind is kind of very tragic yeah because you need you know um we need and there's this kind of so that and so of course it's all online mm. it's all on yeah, you know and it's all really mm. to me it's all a bit fake you know the people are desperate you know kind of fake numbers fake followers they kind of you know it's all about manipulating or playing these algorithm stuff i mean it's not all but a lot of it you know mm. i have a lot of discussions with and I, to me that's pretty it's just quite sad because it shouldn't be about that you know as musicians and artists we yeah. should be just play, we should be writing songs and going out gigging yeah, yeah. like yeah. not trying to you know but then saying that the irony is and this is terrible i feel like it's a complete hypocrite because all the stuff that i've got going on now all this amazing stuff and yeah. big names ironically of course it hasn't that has all come through sort of social media not yeah. the normal through <laughs> face facebook which is quite unusual it's not mm. not through twitter it was just this 
weird thing through Facebook. I just seem to have been picked up from these videos from Facebook, which is kind of old school. And I know it's kind of, um, but so I, yeah, I can't complain because it, you know, it has been amazing for me. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. But it has changed an awful lot, yeah. yeah. It's very hard for, for musicians to monetize now because of the streaming. So yeah, yeah. that's our big dilemma. That how how the hell do you how the hell do you make any money now? There's no money in recorded music. No one wants to pay for recorded music anymore. Yeah, yeah, for right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and of so, course there's the live thing. Sorry, so so they so. So the, the, the catch 22 is that it's all live. That's where you, but how does an unknown artist, how do you get people to your, you know, how do you put bums on set? Yeah. So it's a catch 22, you know, you can't get yeah. people in numbers to a gig to make money because that's the conundrum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of moving on, like you mentioned, you've got, you've, you've had some um, connections and people spotting your music from um, Facebook and moving on now. What has that been like for you since hearing that news or hearing some of that information through the grapevine kind of thing? What, since I got picked up kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, it's just been crazy, Men no, mental. I got, I've, just don't know it just seems things seem to be happening on this almost daily basis now you know I got the first thing I started writing about three or four years ago and I I moved down here because my old bandmate had moved to here Dorset and that's why I moved out to this area right? mm -hmm. and we started you know we got our old and a band together like the old times and it was great but we did a few gigs and bands are very hard work now so for a number of reasons you know mm -hmm. people you know people have issues and families yeah. you know alcohol problems whatever you know all sorts. <laughs> yeah. so it just becomes that so i decided the alarm to go on my own do my own stuff and i just sent off some demo tapes and i got just very simple acoustic and i got picked up by one of the top law firms in the industry firm called clinton's who want look after radiohead paul weller yeah um Muse, Royal Blood, mm. Basil, and the guy from there kind of picked up these two songs and he helped me for a while. So that was the first kind of, wow. Yeah. Um, because yeah. back in the day, in the band days, we never got picked up from demos. It was mm. always being seen live. Yeah. We yeah. send demos off to like, we never got any response from any labels. So this was like a totally new thing. And I got picked up by a, a big publisher called Notting Hill as well, Notting Hill Music. Okay. They really liked to come. So that was kind of where it started. But then things dried up a little bit because the lawyer guy, he touted my stuff to a few labels. Um, I think one was um, EMI and two, uh, Cobalt and Peer, which are sort of newer labels, geared towards this new model of, you know, online, you know, mm. people, you know, artists. Or, but yeah. none of them were, none, they all liked the stuff, but they were like, how many followers has he got? And because mm. I don't really work the social media thing in that way. Yeah, I, I and that's what they focused on. Yeah. I had about 40 followers or whatever. No, no, you need about, I think you need 50,000 minimum yeah. for a label time. So, um, but anyway, then literally about, about six months ago, um, I just posted a, this video up, this track I recorded on an iPhone that got so it was during lockdown and I just recorded this thing on an iPhone and it got sent to a producer who 
tarted it up a bit and kind of put some sparkle on it and it just sounded great and I got a, a producer friend of mine who I'd worked with as well a guy called George Schilling he's an amazing producer I'd worked with Primal Scream and um, Stevie Winwood and yeah. a lot of big names Cardigans yeah. and all that he added cello to it for me all for free because it was locked down and people just yeah, yeah. and so and a friend of mine Mim who's an amazing singer she put back we put this video to it that I cobbled footage from YouTube just nicked yeah. it off YouTube some some footage of a bloke driving around in the dark in the rain in for a storm in America mm. <laughs> and that video got um loved and shared by Nick McKay from The Verb wow so that was like another mass that's probably yeah. like the, awesome. the biggest moment in my musical career and he wrote this lovely endorsement for my website um and, and just kind of just I was on I was literally on cloud nine for about, yeah, definitely. about a month and a half I was still at it and <laughs> You know, the Verb were like my favourite band exactly. of the nineties, yeah. yeah. and he's what one of my top five. I've always had this thing: if I could have four or five guitarists play on, if he was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Marr from the Smiths, um, the guy from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Mike I Love, and yeah. Mark Knopfler, I'm a big fan of. So they were like these four or five, and one of them had shared so shared That's this amazing. track. That was um. That sort of stuff changes you a lot. Even if it doesn't inside, it kind of changes. Yeah. Your, yeah. It changed my belief. It gave me this belief thing, which I probably I've always lacked. This sort of total yeah. self belief thing, which you get. But that kind of has definitely helped with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the fact though that um, even though when you were in the band and to now, to to you, the music that you're making, you are getting attention, attention from the right the right people. Yeah. You know, obviously it's all changed, but your music is hitting people. It's really it's touching people's lives. And I think you know, going back to your early um, when you started, I mean, just reflecting on that, mm. would you have thought that wow, you know, these big names, I would have. No connected with them it's just you? <laughs> no of course you don't because <laughs> the music industry one thing you realize is it's a very it's, it's a very small world mm. you know they all know it. it's a it's, mm. a it's a scene you're either in it inside it or you're just or you're on simple as that either you're in it or you're yeah. not yeah and if you're not you just don't ever you just don't get the you know the gigs it's the mm. way it is. Um, so, for instance, if, back in one thing I realised through as it passed and years passed, when back in the 90s, if we'd got signed, even if we hadn't have been successful, if you're signed as a band, you get your, your, your doors are open to all different kinds of opportunities because you're in the industry yeah. and, because, yeah. and you know people within the industry. But yeah. because we weren't, we never got to meet those people properly mm, yeah. um so we didn't get you know i was always on the outside and i knew this stuff i always knew these songs because i'd always people always said you know those songs are amazing blah blah and um and i probably got better at writing obviously as i got older yeah, you know, yeah. sort of stuff i did but you're still on the outside and even you write these songs you know and it's very odd you know a song that i've written two or three years ago that might have you know suddenly they're People are going, yeah, yeah, that's great, you know, but never really getting any kind of traction 
they're mm. now getting traction mm. two or three years after you've written them. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of weird because they're the same, exactly the same song. Yeah, exactly it's the same. Timing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's just timing. the timing. Yeah, well, it's ti yeah timing and well and just being picked up by the right people. You know, simple as that. You know, mm. one the right people can just change your. And of course, if such, such, when such and such says it's a great song, oh, everyone else go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> people are like, oh, sadly, a bit sheep-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they cotton on to what, you know, they think someone else. And that is how the music game works. You know, there's so many people in the business who are, you know, their children of some of well-known or TV. So it's all about connection. It's mm -hmm. all about being connected to the right people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know... Um, yeah. yeah, completely. I mean, I've had a few things. It was him. I've just literally this week had a call from this guy, Chris Kimsey. I told you, I think I might have mentioned it. You know, he yeah, yeah. who did five or six Rolling Stones albums. And he worked at In Excess, you know, you know, some massive Kurt Smith from Tears for Fears. Amazing. So I'm yeah. now, you know, things just seem to be happening every day. I'm putting he's putting some tracks forward to this big American artist that he's working with um and he's hopefully going to produce a track of mine as well and that's the thing as soon as you're working with these kind of people you know, yeah. people are like wow you know and, and i am too of course but they're still the same songs yeah yeah you know so it's kind of it is a strange feeling strange situation you know, it feels a bit surreal yeah. Definitely. Yeah. so what would you say keeps you motivated to keep going i mean obviously there's lots of Things Poverty. that come up. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Desperation. <laughs> so I just, listen, you kind of, you know, I love music. I've always loved writing. Mm -hmm. so, and things about, so, you know, there's always, it's always new. You know, there's always something new to p discover, play. Um, unlike anything else I've had in my life, you know, the, a guitar and writing has been a constant you know mm, people yeah. come and go girlfriends come and go <laughs> you know whatever so you know but that's always there it's you know and it's yeah. always a you know my guitars i don't know if you can see them they're, they're, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're the uh you know they're just wonderful wonderful things that you can pick up and play and we've, i never get bored because you know i can always play yeah yeah um, um motivated um well uh yeah i mean I, you know i've done you know i've done all sorts of jobs in my life hundreds thousands have been sacked from all of them um <laughs> and i've you know nothing nothing i want to do i've enjoyed more or anything like yeah. playing music and writing songs and and I'm lucky in that I'm able to do it now. I kind of because I had those few years out of the industry where I earned some good money, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of I had a place. I've been. I've, I live for. Listen, I live very simply. I can't. But mm. I'm lucky that I'm able to do it full time and concentrate on it. And good. Yeah. And, right. and I'm not. For me, I mean, talking about the monetization thing. So I'm not motivated by money. Mm -hmm. never have been really but um be nice to earn a few quid so, so i can continue doing it and you know do better things and get to do but ultimately i'm motivated by for me the recognition thing was much more important yeah, yeah. these games the thing with nick mccabe and 
you know, this latest thing with Chris Kimsey and I've had stuff from Martin Page, who's Bernie Taupin's co-writer. Mm-hmm. And he's written with, you know, everybody, you know, Barbara Streisand, you know, Robbie Williams, he's written stuff with people, you know, endorsements from people like that. Mm. That's changed my whole yeah. sense of who I am, what a writer I am. And so that's, mm. that's was always far more important to me, probably because I lack self-belief. Mm, always have yeah. that because I I wasn't like going back to the first group no I was never the musical one in my family I've never had any training I don't read music you know and mm. my guitar thing is quite unique because I don't you know when people play guitar or learn guitar they want to learn all the widdly diddly kind of I really yeah. I don't do any of that my stuff's yeah. really just acoustic and yeah old school finger picky stuff which is a bit out of fashion really you know, now really um so the motivation yeah is um for that side of things really and to earn you know obviously yeah it'd be nice to have a bit of commercial success too yeah but that's not really what drives me yeah yeah it's just the love for the music yeah so yeah yeah, i mean for our viewers where can they go to find out more about james passy argos (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all good super um uh where can well my website yes on youtube um my website is jamespassy.com www.james and there's loads of endorsements and quotes on there from these people we've mentioned and other tracks and youtube stuff on the links and i've just done this debut eight ep um yeah. that went really well and i need and the kind of because i'm kind of trying to rail against the kind of current model for this free streaming stuff so yeah i've tried to keep it all solid yeah something solid a cd an ep something that someone can hold and because that's what i loved yeah and that's yeah, so yeah, and yeah. i and that's really yeah. worked for me yeah and people have really bought into that and mm. people got really excited about it you know and i've you know I've, yeah i mean i've been really quite blown away by the response for that um you know for instance like with the streaming i've had thousands of streams on my Spotify but I've never earned a penny out of it yeah I think I've got a hundred thousand streams on my um, Spotify I've never seen a penny but I sold what I think I've sold about 120 odd EP these little EPs which I'll show you yeah. uh, yeah so that was the EP that I did you know Oh, okay. brilliant, brilliant, yeah. Um, I'll send you one, actually. You have to give me your address and I'll send you a copy. Yeah, brilliant, um, love it. Um, and I saw what, so, I mean, that's nothing, nothing. I sold about 120 of these a tenner ago. So I've made over a thousand you know, pounds in a few months. I've just there you go. never that's seen them. So it's a yeah. big, and some people, like, I've sold these, I've got quite a few fans in the States now. And a few of them, you know, one guy's had like 15 copies of this. Amazing, that's cool. And, um, yeah, so and they that in America, the, the Americans have all pay. I was selling these for nine ninety nines, and the people were sending me like twenty five quid for it. Oh wow, brilliant! Which is really lovely, you know, and that's the yeah. thing. I was, yeah, it's that appreciation, that's isn't it? Yeah. And, that, and uh, well, again, yeah, you know, totally. Like that. Yeah, and yeah. I think like there's it's nothing the better yeah. than having that hard copy CD or that cassette, mm. you know, going centuries ago now. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Just having that. I never liked cassettes. Value that. Yeah. 
<laughs> I value those a lot more yeah. than you know okay you take things like Spotify or anything for granted because it's just something you've got on your phone mm. but when you've to got something yeah. hard copy whether you've gone to the shop to buy it if there are yeah. shops that sell CDs anymore I have no idea <laughs> you've been reading my rants <laughs> <laughs> yeah reading totally. those as well but yeah <laughs> If there's something magical in something so you know it's a completely yeah. different reaction to it you know and, yeah and you know, i stream stuff on I, I don't even like you it's so cold yeah on so it's so impersonal there's nothing you know on here on an old you know people well, not this, but you know the old you can read where someone was you know where it was recorded yeah who yeah, the producer so. was who played and that's the stuff that i love you know yeah. who, oh who played guitar on that oh you know where did he record and that's how I've learned so much about, you know, the people that I've got connected to, you know, the famous people. I know all that because I've read it on, because I'm interested in that. I wouldn't, wouldn't know, a lot of people don't even know who the guitarist from The Verb is, for instance. Exactly, yeah. But yeah. nowadays they wouldn't. They just listen to the yeah. song and they're like, oh, it's good, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. They don't know who the guitarist is, who, the, you know, who wrote the lyrics, who, who did what, you mm. know. I kind of know all that stuff because I'm. That's what I'm interested in. And, yeah, yeah. And fascinated by it. Uh, right. Yeah. So um. Yeah. But I mean, vinyl going on from the. Be nice to do a vinyl, but uh, some. But that's um, kind of more costly and. You know, at my point where I'm at, although I've had all this kind of, you know, well-known people that say kind of, I'm still not commercially at that level where I've got enough yeah. to better. You know, whack, but hopefully, I'm not. You know, that's not mm. too far down the you know line. We'll see, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, you've got to be, you've got to, I've got to have, you've got to have probably like a thousand hardcore followers, probably that you know, they're going to actually part with money, yeah, because that's the other because of the Spotify thing. No one's, no one really, no one's used to paying for music anymore, and it's kind yeah. that's quite a hard thing to get over, obstacle yeah. now, you know, yeah, yeah, um, but. Um, I do love YouTube though. I do. I will admit yeah, to YouTube liking is. YouTube. I prefer that to Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, experience. Yeah, brilliant. But yeah, you've shared with us so much in terms of, and what what comes across is your passion and your love for your music. And I think it's so important. Yeah, that is yeah. so important. And you know, our viewers will definitely get that from this interview. So thank you for being an amazing well, Thanks guest. for asking me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Listen, send me your, and I'll send you a copy and uh, we'll do. stay in touch. We'll, uh, you know, we'll uh, maybe hook up again when uh, more things happen. I don't know. And Absolutely. I'm sure there will be. Keep us posted. Keep us updated, yeah. Yeah, good. It's a nice, it's good that people like you do this sort of stuff. Thank you. Know, you. It's nice that, yeah, you know, it's very important for like, people like us, you know. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Totally. So yeah, there's so many talented people like yourself, so if we can help we anyway, <laughs> just push that word out there and get more viewers inspired, and that's that's the that's main our right. mission. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, nice right. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Take, Take care. care. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned for more Rhyme Entertainment Showcase.
After months of reviewing thousands of documents and conducting hundreds of interviews behind closed doors, the House January 6th committee hearings are underway. Tune into C-SPAN as committee members question key witnesses about what transpired and why during the assault on the U.S. Capitol. Get the hearing schedule on our website at cspan.org and watch our coverage on the free C-SPAN Now app. Or listen on your smart speaker by saying play C-SPAN Radio. C-SPAN, your unfiltered view of government.